Welcome to Off the Rock, On the Record, a podcast by Obsidian Public Relations. In Season 5, we're focusing on all things customer service, from online reviews to in-house management. If you're a business of any type, there's something that you can learn on this season, Off the Rock, On the Record. Hey everyone, welcome back to Off the Rock, On the Record. We're in the middle of a series where we're talking about customer service and relationship building. And in this third part of the series, we're going to kind of hit the bump in the road when it comes to customer service. And that is crisis containment, and we called it, How Do You Do It? Uh, It's a really hard thing to navigate a crisis because every crisis is different. Therefore, there's no one-size-fits-all response to a crisis. So we've got one of our crisis experts in the office, (laughs) Whitney, uh, in the studio with us. And Whitney and I share an office together. And so I can often hear if she's going through a crisis, the (laughs) heavy sighs or the the fast typing. Um, So thanks for joining us, Whitney. Thanks so much. Excited to be here. So I guess we'll open with the the broad strokes question, and then we'll get into the nitty gritty throughout the podcast. But when you get an email from a client and it's like, help or more likely a call, Mm -hmm. how do you even begin to tackle a crisis situation? I would honestly say the very first thing that I do and the very first thing I tell my client to do is breathe. Mm -hmm. And I say that it makes me think about my yoga classes that I take. We're constantly being reminded to breathe. But honestly, that is so important because it's so easy when you're in the midst of a crisis situation to get off track, get agitated, um, get concerned, and you forget to stop and think through things. And breathing helps you stop, pace yourself, and think. Um, So that's the first thing I I suggest um, anyone to do. And again, that's the first thing that I do. Because again, that helps you think logically. Um, It allows you to stop and not allow emotions to cloud your judgment, but rather to allow logic to guide your decisions. So after you've stopped and said, this has happened, (laughs) now it's time to do something about it, then you begin by gathering all of the information that you can. Because the more you know, the better you can prepare and the better you can respond um, to the situation at, at hand. So good, bad, ugly, everything that is at your disposal to gather, you should do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then be prepared to basically pull together, like rally the troops, rally the people, um, your stakeholders who um can have the most influence, who can give you the most strategic thought in the midst of a crisis, get all those folks together and start identifying who does what. Mm-hmm. Delegate out those those key assignments. You know, who's going to be the spokesperson mm-hmm. in this crisis? The spokesperson can be different based on the crisis situation. Mm-hmm. So identifying some of those key roles, who's going to communicate on behalf of the organization, who's going to be readily available should we get questions, who's going to communicate via social media, and who's going to communicate with our employees. So So delegating out those assignments and those roles and responsibilities is key. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also thinking about um, timing. Um, So crisis situations just create a natural sense of urgency, um, which is to be expected, but that can't shake you. Um, It's first important to make sure you get the information. but And then after you've identified the people, you have to think about the timeliness of how do we roll out the message? How do we respond to this in a timely fashion, but also in a very strategic fashion? Mm -hmm. 
And that means that certain audiences, certain stakeholders to your organization, it would probably make more sense to communicate to that group before you communicate to another group, let's say an external group. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's all dependent on the crisis situation. And sometimes things can be timed almost simultaneously. Yeah. Um, you can be communicating with one group and within minutes you communicate with the other. But having the discussion around timing is really important. Um, and then just being prepared to save time and, and, and be prepared to work on this crisis <laughs> for an extended period of time. We always cross our fingers and hope that a crisis will um, move swiftly and, mm-hmm. and quietly and quickly. Um, unfortunately, that is not always the case. So don't get concerned or frustrated if things don't seem to be resolving in a very timely manner. Mm -hmm. Um, You should expect for it to be more prolonged. So go ahead and be mentally prepared for that so that you're not caught off guard if that is the situation. Absolutely. And one thing that you said that really stuck out to me was about delegating assignments and in which situations one person might be a more appropriate contact for another. And I was just thinking about this in terms of the types of crises that we deal with. So in the office, we talk a lot about there's a difference between a fire where maybe your president needs to speak about that because he or she is the authority in the company and you don't if you don't have a disaster crew, then they're, mm-hmm. they're the appropriate person. But then maybe you have an embezzlement scandal, right. also a crisis. If your CFO is not involved, maybe they need to be the one that speaks to it. So that's, right. that's really important is identifying who's going to be the face. And that can also be challenging because, depending upon the nature of the mm-hmm. crisis, who really wants to be the person that's right. quoted in the news? So, um, And don't just always just default to the CEO or that right. same type. Again, it really is dependent on the type of situation. Absolutely. Because you want that spokesperson to be relatable to your audiences. So in some instances, it may not be best for that to be the CEO. Mm -hmm. So you just have to take those things into consideration. Absolutely. So I think one of the best ways that we learn about how to handle a crisis is by looking at some people who have just really messed it up along the way. Um, I know in my PR program in college, we studied some textbook examples of people that did it right and people that did it wrong. So I wanted to ask you, when you think about a crisis that has gone well, quote unquote, well for a company, what do you think of? You know, what's top of mind for me, because it's somewhat timely, um, is a crisis situation that took place at Starbucks. Um, It was about the spring of 2018. um, And just very quickly, I'll run through the scenario, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure uh, many of our listeners will uh, will recall. But uh, two African-American gentlemen were sitting in Starbucks in, I believe, Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken. And they were waiting on a friend to have a meeting and they had not ordered Mm -hmm. anything. Um, And for whatever reason, the manager of that Starbucks was concerned um, that those two gentlemen were just sitting there and had not ordered anything. And so she actually called the police on them um, and they were uh, arrested. They were taken away from Starbucks in handcuffs and their friend who they were waiting on came in as they were being taken away in handcuffs um, from Starbucks. Um, So needless to say, People were alarmed, including myself, um, because I could very easily put myself in their shoes. I have so many times had meetings um, at Starbucks, and I may arrive before Mm -hmm. my other party, and maybe I just had lunch, and I just don't want to order anything. I'm just waiting five minutes for someone to arrive. So I very well could identify with that Mm -hmm. situation. I said, that's been me um, plenty of times. And so it was very alarming, um, and, you know, crisis situations— 
you know, no matter how much you prepare, there are some things that you just don't know they're going to happen. So you very much have to be prepared to respond in that moment and, and figure out the best course of action. But I think Starbucks um, did a good job for a few reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, the first reason is that they immediately went to work with figuring out how are we going to manage this situation. There was not this major lull of time where Starbucks did not respond or did not speak out about the situation. And that's critical because one of the first things that the public wants you to do is acknowledge that this happened. The worst thing you can do is just be silent for an extended period of time. And the consumers are like, where are you? Um, So Starbucks... Um, very proactively, from what I can deduce, very proactively uh, began to meet and talk and strategize on what can we do. Um, And then shortly thereafter, they rolled out a course of action and they made it very clear to the public what they planned to do and they did do things. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of uh, of the things that they did was they um, shut down thousands of stores to conduct basically a cultural sensitivity or racial bias um, cultural training session across the country from multiple stores. So they were willing to close stores. That means lose money Mm -hmm. um, to conduct this training session because they saw that there was a gap. There is something that needs to be addressed culture-wide across Starbucks so that this type of stuff doesn't happen. This does not need to be synonymous Mm -hmm. with Starbucks. This is an isolated um, situation, and we need to learn from this. We need to address this. We need to talk to our stakeholders, Mm -hmm. um, and we need to plot a course moving forward. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought that that was amazing. I thought that that was a big step. It was definitely something that... um, probably made them a little nervous because I can only imagine how much uh, revenue they may have have lost in doing that. But I think that that really endeared Mm -hmm. uh, them to the public to say, wow, Starbucks really did take a leap of faith um, Mm -hmm. and a necessary step to do what they did. Yeah, and they also changed policies, I know, in their restaurants where, or coffee shops, where anybody can be in there, sit Mm -hmm. and use the restroom. And so I think one thing that that really stood out to me in that situation is Starbucks took a lot of heat, number one, for the incident that happened, which is understandable. It was horrible what happened. But they took that, and even when they announced their plan, they also took some heat from people who thought either, A, that wasn't enough, or Mm -hmm. B, why are you even doing this? Um, and they just said, this is our pl- our path forward. Mm-hmm. And that's an important thing, I think, in a crisis to acknowledge is that if you've made people upset by something that's happened, if you have upset people, there will be a contingency of people absolutely that are just going to be upset. Every time. And they're not going to think your response is the right response. But what Starbucks did is they said, we believe in this path forward and we're going to follow it. And now a year and a half-ish later... Mm-hmm. I mean, they're opening new Starbucks yeah, every day. Absolutely. So it, it, it has worked out for them. Absolutely. You can't let the naysayers distract you mm-hmm. from what you've identified to be the appropriate course of action right. for your organization. Absolutely. And so if they're an example of somebody who did it well, who's somebody that maybe didn't do it well? And I can start. One of mine that just really grinds my personal gears <laughs> is... The SeaWorld Blackfish situation. Yes, yes. Um, On a more serious note, when Dawn Branchow was was killed, uh, while she was interacting with an orca whale in the park, the organization, rather than taking any sort of responsibility, immediately in the Orlando newspaper said that she was acting inappropriately Mm -hmm. in her role, and and that was the reason for her death. Um, 
was a very bizarre thing to say, considering mm-hmm. there were a number of eyewitnesses. This was a public show that she was conducting where it was like a dinner with Shamu kind mm-hmm. of show, I think. And uh, it was very public. And so there were people there and it was on video. So you could see exactly what happened to mm-hmm. her. Um, and then also she's a member of their family and one of their team members. She spent years training these these animals and she was familiar with the animals and the protocols and uh, there had been a history of these are massive mm-hmm. animals mm-hmm. in very small spaces and there's been a history of some of these whales doing things that could cause danger to their staff and so rather than addressing the situation for what it was they pushed back and what that erupted into was a national crisis of epic proportion where I think it was four or five former whale trainers team up with a documentary team to talk about the atrocities, in their words, of SeaWorld. Wow. It is still on Netflix to this day. They streamed it on Netflix immediately. So anybody could watch it for free. And it's people that worked with her, worked with these whales, watched SeaWorld separate mother and baby whales and heard the moms cry. Like, the way that they wrote this script for this documentary, and and understanding there's bias on every side of the story, but the way they crafted this Blackfish documentary, it just tore your heart out. And SeaWorld struggled for for years to try to to take back that narrative. And they ended up having to stop the Shamu shows. So, um, did not handle it well. Right. Took a major hit for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, in those situations, you got to remember, somebody's died. Yes. The first reaction needs to be empathy. It has to be. So if you're if you're a company, you got to step back and say, I know you want to defend, but, I mean, goodness, a member of your team has passed away. You've got to right. make a better decision You have that. got to show your heart. Absolutely. You are a person, and people expect to see that person in you mm-hmm. in a crisis situation like that, not just that professional. Mm-hmm. They want to see you as a person who has feelings. And that doesn't even apply to death. It could be to loss of any kind. Mm-hmm. So if your company has to issue a recall for something right. that may have affected somebody or if you're a medical company and additional research comes out and then you find that your product maybe harmed people more right. than it helped them, um, you got to be empathetic right. and show that you care about people. So if a crisis happens and it's a public-facing crisis, so it's not something like embezzlement where it's more internal, your team, mm-hmm. and you start to get a ton of responses from customers in the moment, in addition to your outward-facing messaging about the crisis, how do you start to take, from a customer standpoint, customer service standpoint, start to take in all of that information and respond to it? Mm-hmm. Um, well, one of the things that we suggest for all of our clients um, is just to have a bank of key messages um, developed. Of course, we can we can help to develop those key messages, but. When I say key messages, I'm talking about at the very core, what are the things that are so unique to your organization that make you better, special, that make you stand out? Um, You should have those key messages on hand at all times, especially during a crisis situation, because that's your Mm go-to. When it's time to respond, you're responding to the situation, but you are weaving in those key messages to reaffirm Mm -hmm. your position as a company. Um, to reassure your stakeholders that this is who we are, this is what Mm -hmm. we do, this is what we believe, this is our mission and our Mm -hmm. values. You go back to those messages every single time Mm -hmm. because that is what reminds people of 
who you are, what you are. That is your brand. And at no point should you deviate away from that. No matter the crisis situation, that is your core. You should go back to that. So going back to those messages are important. Making sure, much like what I was talking about earlier, as far as a team, arming yourself with the right folks, have the right folks around the table in the room. Um, with you when it's time to respond um, during a crisis. It's important. You want to have the folks who have some experience or have a very good understanding of your representative audiences so they know the type of message to relay Mm -hmm. to them. Um, That all boils down to the right team. Um, Making sure that you have set guidelines on how to respond. Some of the key things that you want to remember, like being empathetic, um, some key things that you want to touch on. If there is an action item that you're looking to communicate in that response, making sure that you know what those things are. A set uh, guideline for responding is important. Um, and then transparency, honesty, that is, that's what we want. Mm-hmm. That's what people want. They want to feel like there are no secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want to feel like there's there are some things being shared and other things clear, clearly aren't being shared. Now, we also recognize that during a crisis, there may be some sensitive information that you cannot share at that time, or maybe you cannot share at all. Um, but making sure that you're very crafty about maintaining transparency, but also just being honest about the things that you cannot share. Mm-hmm. Um, people understand that, but if you don't communicate it, if you try to hide it or, or run away from it, that's what causes alarm. Absolutely. And so one thing that I think is really hard is you can give somebody a script and say, these are our key messages. This is our, our language. And then you may write on there, show empathy. <laughs> but I don't know that that always that translates. <laughs> right. So how do you ensure that your frontline staff, so your people that are either at the register or that are responding to key messages, how do you make sure that they are representing your company in a positive way, mm-hmm. even during a time that may be inherently challenging? Sure. Um, creating a list of um, just positive, like reinforcement phrases or messages, that's a way. That's mm-hmm. that's key. Um, great example is Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. Um, everywhere you go, every Chick-fil-A, it doesn't matter what city you're in. Um, when you're when you are placing your order, what do you hear? My, My pleasure. pleasure. Mm-hmm. Every time. So some of those key phrases that, again, are tied to your brand is what people remember. And uh, in a time of crisis, going back to those positive phrases that are attached to your brand that people usually sync to your brand, that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, And then thanking your customers, time and patience, that's very important. Um, When you're working through a crisis, you can be very transparent in saying that, you know, we are currently doing X, Y, Z, and thank you so much for your patience. Mm -hmm. Um, That shows that you may not know everything, but it also shows people that we are working feverishly Mm -hmm. to get everything that we can to you in Mm -hmm. a timely fashion. So um, that should help to kind of calm some fears. um, Or if anyone is concerned about where are you, I don't hear anything, making sure that you that you let them know that we're working on it. And thank you for your patience kind of lets them know, okay, we got this. This is what's happening. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Um, And then just patience overall with customers is important. Just a general customer service rule. Um, Just being patient with your customers, making sure that they understand um, that whatever issue is in play is being addressed. Um, Again, reaffirming is very important in the time of uh, crises. So after every crisis, there comes a time where 
it's kind of your calming period where you're mm-hmm. not getting the inundation of messages anymore. You're still feeling the residuals from the crisis, but you're able to look back and reflect and evaluate. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think is critical, and I want to talk with you about some strategies on how to do this, is you now have this arsenal of complaints, fears, worries from your audiences, be that your customers, your investors, whomever was affected by the crisis. How do you catalog and take in that information and turn those complaints into an opportunity for growth? The first thing is to listen. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing, like, truly listen, like, actively listen to that feedback. Mm -hmm. Don't just say, we hear you, and Mm -hmm. we're working on that, but bring that to action. What does that mean? So when you actively listen um, to what the complaints are, what the concerns are, you can more easily identify a course of action versus just listening to defend. Um, So listening is critical. And then communicating, here's what we plan to do about it. Um, People don't want to just hear, we we hear your message, we hear your concern. (laughs) They want to know that you hear the concern. They also want to know that something is going to be done. Mm -hmm. Now, that has to be within reason. One of the things that I, I constantly am, am sharing with my clients is just don't overpromise. Mm-hmm. Um, that is something that you have to be very careful of. Be very realistic with what you're suggesting, but make sure that whatever you're suggesting actually matches with what the concern was. Right. It doesn't need to be something off in left field. And they're like, wait, you didn't get it. You yeah. said you listened, but right, what you're doing right. doesn't match what I said. Um, so just making sure that that um, that connects. And then just remembering that your customers, your your key audiences, they're the baseline of everything that you do. Um, everything should go back to what can I do to make my customers, the, the folks that are most important to my company, to make them happy mm-hmm. um, and to ease their concerns about whatever situation is taking place. Never losing sight of that primary mm-hmm. audience is so critical. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of end with with something that it really sticks out to me, and I don't know if you, if you feel the same way, but I feel like being in public relations is a little bit like Wizard of Oz-ish. Like, we've <laughs> seen behind the curtain, and mm-hmm. we know it's just a little man sitting back there right. <laughs> pulling all the strings. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to ask, is there anything that just makes you cringe when you see a big company going through a crisis? Like, mm-hmm. knowing that you're in PR mm-hmm. and thinking, like, goodness, I bet their communication person is over in the wings dying mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um. There are a few things that are, <laughs> that are top of mind, but I often cringe when I can tell that a person is trying to like deflect mm. from a question, but they are doing an awful job of deflecting. There are some questions that you'll be asked that you're not able to respond to for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but as PR professionals, we teach our clients how to respond, um, when to say, you know, I'm not sure, but allow me to follow up. There is a way to pivot yes. when you're not, A, the appropriate person, or B, you're just not equipped to answer that question. There, right. are, there are ways to pivot. But it is a sin, I feel like, in the middle of a crisis to clearly deflect from certain questions and not respond to the question, circle around the question and not clearly respond. People want answers. Mm-hmm. 
and you have to be prepared to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, and so making sure that that person, it's much like what we were talking about, making sure whomever you've selected to be that spokesperson is fully prepared for the good and the bad, going through the training sessions of all types of questions and being prepared to respond, even to the ones that make you uncomfortable, because people want to know, and they can tell mm-hmm. when you are trying to avoid a question. Absolutely. So. That really wraps up everything I wanted to cover. Thanks so much for joining us, Whitney. My and pleasure. if you're out there listening, if you have any topics or things you want us to cover in the future, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email on our website or you can leave a comment on uh, SoundCloud. And if you feel so inclined, we'd love for you to leave us a review. So give us five stars in Apple Podcast on SoundCloud or, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next episode.